Welcome to the Mothers of Misfits podcast. Join me for conversations about how to advocate for our kids in a one-size-fits-all world. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Joining us today is Ashley Avinashi. She is the founder of Raising Humanity. She is also a parenting coach and international best-selling author. Thanks so much for being with us today, Ashley. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. We were talking a little bit before we started recording about how timely this conversation is. People are struggling in so many ways because of what's happening with quarantine and just having the stress of a global pandemic. So I'm really glad you're here today to talk about parenting. And, you know, a lot of the focus of the Mothers of Misfits podcast is about our kids. But I love that you're really passionate about having healthy kids by being healthy parents. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is this is a time where I think parents are being run ragged and we're pulled in so many different directions. So having your advice and wisdom on how we can really focus on what's most important right now is huge. So thanks again for just your willingness to to be a part of this conversation. Of course. It's my pleasure. So I actually want to start with what you share as your mission on your website very boldly, which says, we believe that the future of humanity depends on how children are being raised. Why are you so passionate about this topic? (laughs) That is a beautifully fully loaded question. So (laughs) it begins with my own journey. Truth be told, I had no idea what parenting was going to be like. When I (laughs) was pregnant, expecting with my first, this was after a multitude of miscarriages, um, I I, I had a really busy life. I, I will admit, I was on the treadmill. I was working 12, 15, 18 hour days at times. And this just became the norm for me was I was an overachiever. I was always sort of type A personality. Um, I'd come from a family where my father had been impoverished, looking to bring his family to Canada and making something of the future for his family name and, and for his children. So this hunger within me has always existed to do whatever I do at 150%. Now, I had no idea that this would turn to parenting until I became a parent and walked down this path of what feels to be struggle for most of us. Is that right? Most of us in the modern day parenting experience will and can admit that this is a tiresome game. It feels like we're constantly grasping for something outside of us and not knowing what that deep um, sense of not enoughness or not knowing what our heart wants in that moment can be really confusing. Because before having children, I thought this was this was exactly what I, my life was set up for. You know, I'll, I'll get the career, I'll get settled financially, um, the partner, the house, the you know, the car, the the usual paradigm of success, just ticking the boxes and going along. And then I had the kids, and little did I know that the kids' box could not be checked as every other box had been checked in my life. <laughs> It was the one time in my life that I felt totally out of control. I felt like I didn't know what I was getting myself into, what I was doing day to day. And I felt a deep sense of 
unfulfillment. And it was one that I couldn't voice to other people because I thought, no, I should be grateful. You know, all the things we're told, we should be grateful. We should be happy. We should be present. We should be connected. These years matter most. And I had no idea how to dive into the one thing that I so much wanted, which was authentic connection. So in the first year of having my first child, I had a full-time nanny um, to support the work that I was doing outside of the home. I was running off my feet at the gym every day, trying to cook the perfect meals, traveling, socializing, you know, doing life as the ordinary, doing life as though I didn't have a child. And it was painful because I felt all of that in me. But I wasn't courageous enough to put that aside, the busyness, the treadmill, the overdoing, the expectations, all that I was tethered to. I didn't have the insight to put that aside then. When my second was born, he was born with club feet. And by then I was already so worn out. I was um, experiencing adrenal fatigue again. I'd gone through burnout. I was feeling sharp pains through the left side of my body into my breast. I was dealing with cysts, so I landed myself at the hospital. I was anemic continually. You know, my allergies would flare up, all the usual symptoms like the rash, the acne. There were so many physical symptoms that were coming as a result of what I was burning deep down inside. And that's when it really hit me was when my second was born, and he was born with club feet. Um, you know, so his feet were inverted, and he potentially would not be able to walk unless we went through treatment. What ended up happening through that was I was in the hospital with him each Friday, all day. We were going through treatment, casting and uncasting, casting and uncasting, until he was in his boots and bars. And with that, I sunk so deeply into this sense of pain. I was just feeling pain and sadness and this deep-rooted feeling of not being enough and what have I done wrong and how did I land my child here and blaming myself for all the experiences I had had with my first child, not seeing him, not being connected, literally just glancing over enough to check in on him. And in those moments at the hospital, I'll never forget looking into his eyes and tears streaming down my face Friday after Friday and recognizing that these children were losing everything that they had been born into, their sense of aliveness, their sense of joy, their freedom, their acceptance of life, their forgiveness, all of the things that children walk forward with as they're incarnated on our planet. I recognized so quickly that this was all dying within my children at such a young age. My eldest then was under two years, and my little guy was six months. And I remember being at the kitchen island one morning, and I was still going through the rush of it, but now starting to understand that there may be a possibility for a different way. I was starting to come into a little bit of conscious awareness as to what I was doing and what my impact was on these children. And as I looked over at them, you know, forcing oatmeal into their plates, having that ladle in my own mouth to get some energy to fuel me through that morning, running out of the house to try and get on with the next list of things to do, it really hit me. I saw them as lifeless as I could have ever imagined them. You know, this bright shining, um, the eyes that we witness in children that we don't see in many adults anymore. Those eyes had dulled to such an extent that I said, that's it. This needs to change. 
So the reason why I am so deeply passionate about this is not only my personal story, but as I started to step out and join in on parenting forums around the world and get into conscious coaching and um, transpersonal therapy school, all of these different avenues led back to one common factor. And that common factor was that in the first six years of a child's life is when they develop their fundamental beliefs. Those beliefs that will help them establish who they are in the world and how they relate to others. So if we're not doing our own work, our inner cleansing, our own relief of these beliefs and old patterns and unserving um, ways of being, you know, the self-sacrifice, the martyrdom, all of that, the martyrdom, all of that which we're so governed by as a result of our conditioning, that will be transmitted onto our children. Their subconscious is wide open in these first six years. So 95% of what they believe in their adult lives is established then. And what we've recognized is it's never too late. We can heal relationships much later on, but the truth is if we can catch them in the first six, seven years of their lives, our parenting journey, we can create such a level of potency to shift that trajectory early and not have them miss out on so much of their lives. Because so many have to wait until there's a midlife crisis or the cancer sets in or something drastic happens, losing their own parent, to recognize that there's so much more that this journey has to do with than we recognize. So last point on this is that we can go out and target all the symptoms out there, the climate, the gender gaps, the um, unemployment rates. There's so many symptoms that we target all day long. And the truth is what's underneath all of this is the way that we are raising our children. Because based on these beliefs is exactly what they're going out into the world and producing. Wow. You've said so many things, Ashley, that, I mean, first off, every mom out there can identify with some part of your story. And it's brave of you to share because that wasn't an easy thing to experience. And though, you know, you talk about how it's healing to share our experiences with others so that we can move beyond it. But your story is such a common story. You know, moms go through that mental game. We go through physical pain, guilt. You know, there's just a myriad of symptoms and emotions. And honestly, sometimes that doesn't get talked about as much because, you know, we look to the joyful parts of motherhood which there are plenty, but there are also struggles that are common to mothers. I've also never heard that statistic about the first six years being so formative. And I'm actually feeling very convicted about uh, my own family and relationships. I mean, that's just huge. So getting back to where you started in your story, which was basically living what you would call a distracted life. So you were, you know, going, 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 constantly on the run. Your attention was diverted in so many different directions, and it felt like the right thing to do because you were checking all the boxes. And distraction feels like such a relevant term right now because all of us have so much going on, right? Our society has endless attention grabbers. There's just an incredible amount of things competing for our time. An investment of ourselves. 
So what are the symptoms of distraction, Ashley, that we should be looking out for? Mm. I love that question because it's relevant to all of us. None of us go through the day fully connected, fully present, fully invested in whatever is in front of us. The truth is that there are, as we've already addressed, many, many, many layers of beliefs that are sitting within us at any moment. As much as we might believe that we're clear and available for the moment, for the present moment, which is ultimately you know, what gets us back to connection, um, we aren't. We aren't. There are a host of things that our inner critic is coming up and saying at every moment. And a lot of parents on this call may be able to relate to that, is I'm not enough. I'm not seen. I'm not doing enough for myself. When will I have time to um, really take time for me? When can I get these kids to bed? Because I need to get back to my life. When is he going to step in, you know, the partner, whichever way that looks, or the parent, in the way that I want them to? So this inner critic, this inner narrative that we're always diving into is always present until we get to a point of relieving ourselves from so many of those beliefs and rewiring our neural pathways that we are clear and free and present for the moment. So one thing I want to do is really acknowledge the fact that we are all moving through this together and none of us are alone. And we are in a society that's constructed to continue to keep us distracted. You know, the advertisement, the social media, we are not in a society that supports us to stay in the present moment. So with that, many, many symptoms we may feel, yes, the treadmill effect, which we call here at Raising Humanity, is one where we feel like we're always looking 10 steps ahead, but not here right now. Um, in that, we may feel very alone. We may feel lost. We may feel overwhelmed. And with that comes the, the ability to be really triggered in any given moment. Because the way things are is not the way that we wish them to be. And the reason why we want something to be a specific way is because we have so much else that's pending in our day. Well, if this one thing doesn't go right, then the domino effect will mean that everything else is off kilter for the rest of my day. So control, and a lot of us aren't even aware of control until we become parents, just how much we are controlling and agitated by the lack of control we have with our kids. So that um, resentment resentment towards others, blame, shame, projection towards others, where we may feel something within ourselves, but in turn, we divert that to another person, maybe the partner, maybe the parent, you're not showing up, you're not connected, you're not here for me. So much of this narrative, again, is, is quite heavy. And ultimately, what that results in is physical fatigue, physical fatigue, physical pain, um, doubting ourselves, being disconnected from our intuition, moving into this analysis paralysis where at every moment we're just not even sure what we want anymore. Who am I? I don't recognize myself. Um, what do I mean to others in the world? What do I even want in the next 10 years of my life? So these are the sort of the, the tumbling effect of those initial symptoms of I am not connected to myself because I'm literally living through these false beliefs, this very personified version of myself. That's not even true to me. So how do you get off the treadmill? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I really appreciate the willingness to even explore that for anyone who is at that tipping point. That's really what this pandemic has given us an opportunity to. 
do is slow down. And in the slowing down, in sitting behind closed doors, a lot of us have found that we're solely busy. We're looking for answers outside. We're listening to, yeah, beautiful podcasts that give us information. But again, we're not really diving into the real process, which is to slow down and start to become aware of what we're actually believing to be true about our lives. What are the beliefs that we're carrying? What do we feel to be true that's weighing us down right now and not allowing us to expand or create a different reality in this moment? So you may know from exploring our website that emotions and sitting with our physical body is such a critical step that most of us move past. We think, no, we can just do it from the mind. It's a mental game. My thoughts, I can navigate and control. But again, going back to where we started, that 95% of our beliefs are deeply imprinted in us. They are stored in our cellular memory. They are in our physical body. So until we start tapping into our body and the energy and the emotions there, we actually can't allow these charges to surface. So effectively, if I had a really negative experience, and I put that in quotes, negative experience in my childhood that really shut down my sense of self-expression. You know, somebody told me, a parent or an early childhood educator, that I'm too much. I'm too loud. I'm too gregarious. You need to calm down. You need to be like other kids. I may have shut down my voice. Now, somebody else might have seen that as just an obedient, you know, story of discipline. Well, that's just what kids should be doing and how they should behave. Um, but I saw it as a very negative, impactful experience. So until I sit with my emotions and start to feel what beliefs may be coming up, ooh, I actually don't believe that I have the right to step out and share my voice. It might be a singing voice. It may be sharing your mission very vocally in a space where you feel it needs to be heard. It may be putting out your products and services to those you know could benefit from them. It could be um, a variety of things. But until we start to feel into the pain that we are limited by, there is no chance that we can move past it. So the slowing down, observing ourselves, starting to feel our feelings and where that pent-up energy, that pent-up emotion is stuck in our bodies and allowing that to surface is where it begins. From that, we move into setting boundaries, coming back to ourselves daily, setting light intentions as we move through our day about, hey, I actually want to be free. I actually want to come into a life where I can be self-expressed. I want to experience freedom alongside my children because now I've learned that it is possible to be free from my beliefs, my thought patterns, if I so commit. And then from that comes an acceptance and thereafter a release. And with that release comes new space by which we can create new neural pathways through practice and practice and practice and rewiring the brain, like Dr. Joe Dispenza talks about, Dr. Greg Brayton, Dr. Bruce Lipton. You know, these are all um, experts in our, in our medical scientific field who are now bringing, um, I would say, a very tangible amount of evidence to what we've understood in the field of ancient wisdom for 5,000 years. You talk about the need for an ecosystem to support parents. Can you go into some more detail about that and why that's necessary, what that even looks like? Do people yeah. typically have one? 
<laughs> no, and I did not either. I thought I could do it all on my own. I was the prime example of a superwoman, you know, running from place to place and literally living like an island. I can manage it all on my own. I'll get it done. I'll go to sleep later. I'll do it without help. So physical health is one aspect of it. You know, having someone bring you food, like sometimes postpartum, you might have had the blessings of, um, you know, having somebody's emotional support, having a friend call us, a mother check in, a mother-in-law check in. These are all beautiful. But what I mean by an ecosystem is somebody who's really there to consistently see you, to hold you wherever you may be, and to really support you and help you relieve yourself of the expectations that you carry in performing for the world, in being something that you're truly not feeling. You can be in that moment. An ecosystem is made up of a number of humans. We call it our village at Raising Humanity. Um, but it's really a group of individuals who's really committed to seeing you in that moment of time. Now, we can go further with that ecosystem and say, yeah, they can be like-minded, they can feel supportive. And we have a lot of parenting groups out there that do this. But I also see a need for someone in that ecosystem to also be able to guide us in a direction, in on the path um, towards which we are walking. Because without that, we can't often see our own blinders. You know, it's sort of a butterflies. They can't witness their own wings. They can't even witness their own magnificence. So often having somebody else who has walked that path before us, even a few steps ahead, and is willing to continue to remind us of the pitfalls, of where we may be holding back, of the things that may be coming up for us, of helping us reframe our current beliefs and what we're moving through is so important. So at Raising Humanity, we have a tremendous ecosystem that's made up of doctors of naturopathy, energetic healers, true yogis, uh, medical doctors, um, uh, psychotherapists, parenting coaches. So there's a lot of people in our ecosystem because I don't believe that we're always able to access something from the mental body. I don't believe that we can always receive it emotionally. I don't believe that we can always receive something physically. You know, I don't believe that somebody talking to our higher purpose or our divine self will always land with us. So we need different people who can talk to us in different ways and connect with us in different ways so that we can access that information as we're ready to receive it. And you've shared with me in the past that a husband, uh, as well-intentioned as he may be, or a friend who acts like a therapist, right? Even though those relationships, of course, are priorities in our lives and very important, they don't necessarily act as that ecosystem, right? This is beyond what we would typically think is those go-to people, right? This is something more maybe intentional, or as you said, folks that have a, a completely different perspective or are sort of out of the mixture, right? Mm -hmm. So that they can stand back and look at it more objectively. Would that be the Agreed. right way to describe it? Yeah, you're bang on is that this individual, these individuals within our ecosystem, they're not going to be as emotionally invested, but they can do it in a way that really allows us to receive the information because they don't have their own prerogatives or beliefs on us at that time. When I'm in a relationship with a partner or a child, there may be a certain dynamic that keeps me tethered to the way they are and not believing that I can step out of that framework. 
and I'm not saying that you have to leave them. I'm not saying that your family life dissolves. Not that by any stretch of the imagination. I'm saying, yes, keep them, but don't rely on them constantly because they're going through their own emotional process. And this is why we have therapists and guides and healers and mentors and coaches is because they are more readily available to serve us, to be um, not sort of in this mutually beneficial relationship, but it's really one-sided. And that's where we really get to a point of feeling held is when we don't constantly have to feel that we're indebted to owing, giving them something, owing them something, always asking them how they're feeling. We can really put the focus back in on us. So like Dr. John Gottman, who's a relationship expert, 40 years of incredible research, he talks about only about 10% of the time are we in the same energetic vibration and ready to connect in a mindful way within our family ecosystems. That's how rare that chance is to really truthfully connect. So we may all day be long, all day long, be asking others to support us who know us best, but they very well may not be available for that experience. And what that only leads to, as you know, is resentment, frustration, confusion. Why aren't you there for me? I wish you were there for me in this other way. So it can actually lead to more friction than necessary. What advice do you have for parents right now? And I will add to that, what's a tiny little, very doable step that they can make in the right direction? Because the tough thing about being stuck in that treadmill and being distracted and being overwhelmed is it feels overwhelming just trying to get out, right? It's everything feels overwhelming. So it's about baby steps, I would think. So is there something very small, totally doable, a quick win, if you will, that parents can go do today even that can start moving them in the right direction? And just in general, you know, what do parents need right now in this completely unprecedented time? Mm. So other than what we've already identified, which is slowing down and starting to feel your feelings, I think that's a non-negotiable right now. It has to happen now if we really want to walk forward with intentionality, really paving the path for the future generations. What I would say, though, right now, if you are looking for a quick exercise to really dive into how much in alignment are you living with? Because at the end of the day, it is just our misalignment with our values and who we truly are. That's the basis of all this resistance. There's no other reason why we struggle as much as we do. It's simply the fact that we are not acting in our true nature as humans. We are acting in sort of a robotic form. You know, we've been told to follow this paradigm of success, check the boxes, and just keep living as per an external story, an external narrative. So when we come back to ourselves, it starts to slowly free us up. What I would ask any listener on the call today would be to write down your top three values. Now, before you do this, sit with yourself, feel yourself, come into your body. If you're starting to feel the emotions come up, that's okay too. Start moving your body, listen to some music that moves you. You can do all of that. But give yourself a little bit of time to really, really appreciate yourself and start sinking into who do I wish to be? If nothing, no bars attached, nothing was tethering me to the way I had to live right now for everybody else that I am tied to, that I wear different hats for, that I'm in the role of being someone for, what are my three core values as a human? 
Is it freedom? Is it joy? Is it purpose? Is it allowance? Is it creativity? Is it playfulness? Is it stillness? Is it um, whatever it may be for you? Naming those top three values and perhaps posting them on a mirror will help this continual process move forward because it is an ever unfolding journey. We are never fully aligned to those values. But what we can start to do is every day as we're creating our schedules, as we're reaching out to friends that may or may not be a part of our future, as we're doing things for our children, we can revisit those and say, hey, does this actually reflect the values that I want to commit to? And even if we're not there yet, even if we're not on the path of getting the support, asking for help, diving into our emotional process, this is one small reminder that can help us navigate forward in a very, um, sure, it's a little bit on the surface, but at least it helps move us in the right direction. And then the assessment further to that is, am I living in alignment with these values? Journal on them. Speak to yourself. Write down when you're not in alignment. Understand what that's not in alignment you're willing to give up right now. What it would mean if you gave that up. What if I didn't do this for this person or the mother-in-law or the partner or the child? Who would I be without that identification? So this is where I would say that listeners begin. Is what are your top core values? Top three core values in both of them. What a great starting point. And in and of itself, I see being deeply powerful and just critically important no matter where you are in your role as a parent, in your journey, in your health, in your emotions. That's just a really good exercise and something we should do, as you said, not a point in time. That's something we have to keep revisiting. If listeners want to go even deeper, how can they get in touch with you? What resources can they take advantage of? Sure. So our programs, fortunately, are online, our deeper experiences. So we do have one called the Balancing Act. It's a four-week experience where you really dive into, yes, let's take advantage of the slowdown. Let's dive into awareness. Let's start to understand what our triggers are. Let's start to put boundaries into place, healthy, generous boundaries. Let's dive into a bit of the self-care. Let's see what we can accept and release. This is a taste of the work that we do in our deeper experience, which is the Reconnection Project. So the Reconnection Project is our signature program. It's a one-year experience. You have continuous support from all the experts I mentioned in the energetic field, the psychotherapists, the parenting coaches, et cetera, et cetera. And you are in community through that process, as well as having one-on-one guidance. So that is really a chance for you to get into your foundation, your core beliefs that you developed as a child, and basically recreate a whole new foundation upon which you stand. We've seen incredible results. I mean, parents walking away from workaholism, alcoholism, fibromyalgia, cancer, I mean, you name it. They have walked away from this. Um, you know, what's holding us back, the pain patterns, the physical um, distractions in a matter of months. So it's been absolutely beautiful. And as a result, their relationships with their children change dramatically over that course of time because the work starts with self. So those are two programs that are available on our website, RaisingHumanity.com. Our main community is on Facebook. So it's at Raising Humanity Village. That's on Facebook. You can follow some of our conversations. Each two weeks, we have a live fireside chat that I do 
where we dive into different themes and different questions. So that's a service that we're offering, particularly during this time. Um, we just finished a free forum, so I'm sorry that you missed that. But we will continue to, once you get on our email list, share whatever resources we are putting out there because we are committed to serving you. And you can you can sense my passion around this mm -hmm. and how important it is for parents to experience their truest nature, which is a joyful, alive, free version of themselves, so that children can also be freed moving into their future. Yes, and that's the key point right there, right? That you, know, you are so kind to come on and, and bravely share your own story, but the wisdom that you share helps us to be more successful in our own lives and not just survive, but thrive and in turn help our kids to do the same. So thank you so much, Ashley. Of course. It's been my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Mothers of Misfits podcast. Make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. We also invite you to visit us at mothersofmisfits.com.